Hello? Hello? Hey, guys? Uh, is anybody here? Is this, is this thing on? Hello? Hmm. Hmm. Hey, Dan, are you on? Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Awesome. Just getting Joe set up over here. Um, awesome. So it's going to be a good show because I think he's pretty excited to do it. And just got a couple of little things we got to tweak here. And so I'm excited that uh, he'd join us. I think that's pretty great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So just uh, you and uh, hey. Hello? Hello. Hello. Hey. Dan, What's did you up? pick up a phone line? Who is that? Dude, I didn't pick up. Finally back. <laughs> is it back. Wait a Is that uh, Mark? Is Mark. that you? Yeah, man. Where have you been? It's been like two weeks. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> what are you? God, I had to go like on thirty-two bathroom breaks. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? I guess you never Mark hung up. Uh, you never hung up. All right. Cool. Can I can I hang out with you guys? Uh, Please. From yeah, man. I'm, I'm down with that. In Minneapolis, right. Minnesota, it's Arcade Radio. Now this won't hurt a bit. Listen, if Mark is here, we need to reward this dedication, in my opinion, somehow. So, are you saying we should make him part of the show? Or is I that think, going too uh, far? I think we should at least ask him. Mark, and, uh, and that dedicated, I feel like it's sort of like... Mark, uh, I'm getting down on one knee, and I just want to say, will you be our third host? Absolutely, I'm in. <laughs> yes, and get it, and get up. Okay, I actually didn't kneel. I was just sitting uh, the whole time. <laughs> Welcome sweet. to the show. This is, um, it's a day in December. It's like the 22nd, and we're a few minutes late. So sorry to the two listeners in our audience. <laughs> <laughs> this is the holiday special, a Christmas special, as it were. And we're going to go for at least 90 minutes tonight. What do you guys think about that? Don't want to disappoint the uh, two people that have us <laughs> on a timer. <laughs> so we're going to do things a little bit differently tonight. Um, Joe Lease is in studio. Uh, welcome to the show, Joe. Well, thank you. It's good so, to be here. Um, we're going to do a round robin of introductions. And um, just so everybody 
gets a sort of a introduction to us and we kind of skate over this every time. And, um, so today I am Adam Stevens. I am Matarax on, uh, Clove and I've been in the hobby since about 2002 when I first, uh, started to restore a Tron with actually Joe's help. Um, we can maybe talk about that later. Um, and so I'm going to hand it over to Dan to introduce himself. Hey everybody, I'm Dan Reed, uh, Dan Reed Photo on Clav, and uh, I also make a Modern Journey cassette interface board that you can pick up at ParadiseArcadeShop.com, and I've been restoring games for uh, 10 years-ish. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, that brings us to Mark, the now the third host of Arcade Radio. Welcome to your first official um, hosting duty, Mark. The best hey. host. Nice. Uh, hey, uh, Mark Shields, Time Runner on Clav, TimeMachineRental.com for your time travel needs, UncleRicoVan.com for your, for your, I guess, your Napoleon Dynamite needs. I don't know. In the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on this intro. I, I mean, I've been on this call for two weeks, so I didn't. <laughs> didn't have the time. Yeah, I haven't prepped. And that brings us to our esteemed guest this week, our guest host, Joe Lease. Um, Joe, why don't you just give us a little background on yourself? Well, I'm uh, Joe Lease. I've lived in the Twin Cities, uh, oh, 40, 43 years. Actually, all my life, I was out of the Twin Cities uh, for three years is all. So, uh, um, been part of uh, the game industry since uh, uh, 1977. And Wow. That's pretty good. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome. So um, normally what we do is go and sort of do a quick round robin of anything we're working on. I kind of would like to talk a little bit about, um, uh, you know, a continuation of the last episode. I um, I had that jukebox problem I was talking about. Well, Joe came over last week and we hovered over that thing for a couple hours, took the whole thing apart while well, we took the whole... Uh, gripper mechanism apart and re-grease the thing and it's it's back in service so thank you joe lease uh, you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a jukebox are we talking about boys it's a rockola 460 nice. um 160 selection so 80 records uh it's kind of sort of a space agey looking thing uh, I actually sought out that box because <clears throat> i had seen it in a showbiz pizza when i was a kid and i just thought it looks like it belongs on a spaceship so when I went to go find my jukebox, I actually put a Craigslist want ad out for it. There were two models that matched the description. And um, I was lucky enough to have a guy in South Dakota offered to deliver it to me for 600 bucks in perfect working order. So, um, you know, that probably saved me $150 in shipping, at least. And uh, I got a, a jukebox out of the deal, so... That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Dan, are you working on anything right now? No, but I got my Dragon's Lair working finally. You so. did? Yes, I did. All right. So the Merlin-Dexter combo is in action. And it is absolutely spectacular. If you have a laser game, I highly recommend it. I, for the first time ever, beat Dragon's Lair. Sweet. What? Yep. Yeah. Well, That's like a, this is two wins in a row. I know. I working jukebox. I mean, I literally, literally <laughs> fired the game up, 
turned on the the motion is it's perfect oh, it's it goes, awesome it goes from it goes from scene to scene instantly i'm just blown away it's it's literally like playing it for the first time ever that's oh, cool money i ever spent and uh, and so there's no like there's no jogging or anything there's no jog time oh. so it just loads instantly i bet it's it's perfect that's so and, cool and it also has space ace on it so i don't Whenever I fire up my arcade, the problem was I used to have the attract mode on. Right. Because I like attract modes. I do too. But, you know, after an hour of hearing the Dragon's Lair thing, it drove you kind of bananas. So the benefit of the Merlin board is I have Dragon's Lair, Space Ace, and I think Dragon's Lair 2. So it cycles through all of the intros. And then it has another cycle of just silence. So you get Dragon's Lair, then the same thing without any attract. Cool. And then you get Space Ace and the same thing without any attract. So well, I know you're having some huge problems with that. So congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. <clears throat> and so is that like, can you put Firefox on that or any other lasers on it? Uh, I know you need the ROMs for it, but I don't think it works with the PCB. So it has to work in conjunction with oh, the PCB. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. So if you had a Firefox PCB, sure. Plus it had a yoke. So you wouldn't be able to play it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, Fire- and Firefox pretty much stinks <laughs> it's not good yeah, Mach 3 on the other hand that was a game that was oh dude Mach 3 was fantastic yeah. I remember being blown away in the in the arcade when I saw that for the first time yeah it was an awesome game it was too bad it didn't didn't uh, live through the uh, technology what, thing what year did that come out like 84 yeah, uh, probably I think I saw it after Space Ace so it had to have been 84 85 yeah sounds yeah. about right they all, uh, Astron Belt, um, Mach 3, Dragon's Lair, all came out within two years of each other. Oh, wow. It says short, 1983. Says. Got to Google that stuff when you're on a radio show yeah. just to make sure you don't sound like an idiot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Remember it came out in 1987? <laughs> so um, that brings us to Mark. Are you uh, working on anything? Did you finish anything up? Yes, I I sold my stealth Donkey Kong, which is a restored Donkey Kong cabinet, but it has a JAMA harness in it, and that's going to help pay my property taxes here in Texas. <laughs> that's that's and, a yeah, that must have been a good price take. Can you share that? Uh, I got fifteen hundred for it. Wow, nice, nice work. Uh, but I was patient, and I wasn't going to. You know, it has a CRT. And it was very much honoring the Donkey Kong. Although, you know, I mean, I, I gave the guy an option. I had my my two board stack that had the adapter to plug into the JAMA, or I had my game with a bunch of other, you know, a PCB with a bunch of games on it. And he picked that one. So I was like, okay, fair enough. That's awesome. Pretty cool guy. Had a bunch of stuff in his his garage. It's funny when I dropped the game off, he was uh, he he was like. I only want to have this garage door open for five minutes because my neighbors see this, they'll be here and they'll want to play this stuff <laughs> and then I'll never like have privacy. <laughs> so it was a very, you know, clandestine, you know, he opened it and I put it in and he shut it as fast as possible. Wow. So it was pretty cool. Uh, but I'm, I'm uh, working on two more Donkey Kong cabinets, you know, to fill the hole in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Two oh, Tubins, two Donkey just, Kongs. You just have two of everything. Two Tubins and two two Donkey Kongs, right? Nice. <laughs> but um, Dan's story may, reminded me of something. Uh, in the 80s, I used to be on BBSs, and there was this really cool BBS called The Mines of Moria. 
Oh yeah. And they had a dragon's lair and a space ace. They they had all sorts of solution text files. If you paid oh. a lot of money, you'd be in like the ninth circle or whatever <laughs> it was. <laughs> And we would print that out, go to Circle K, and then win the game. But we wouldn't tell people how we'd done it. <laughs> and, and then you'd download the Anarchist Cookbook and okay. Like you actually uh, got the Dragon's Lair how to beat it. Yeah, it was just a you know a text file with left, 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 right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't really well thought out because if you got lost, you would you know obviously like I don't know where we are. You know, was it written by Steve Sanders? <laughs> <laughs> Not familiar with that guy. <laughs> Maybe we can get him on the show. <clears throat> anyway, he's the he's the kid that cheated on Donkey Kong, and then he wrote a book about it. He wrote a well, he wrote a book on how to win at Donkey Kong, <clears throat> which is really rare if you can find it. It's worth like twenty twenty five dollars if you can find it. Twenty five dollars. It's like a it was published on Bantam for like you know a dollar and a quarter or something you know, and now it costs twenty five dollars if you want to get out of print. <clears throat> Anyway, that's cool. Um, before we uh, get into our interview, I, I think we should maybe do a little, um, I don't know. It's the Arcade News with Don Reed. Well, hi there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark, you want to share this with me, buddy? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, you guys should split up the news. You got show notes open? Hmm. Sure. Yeah. Just, why don't you take the first one there? Sure. Dateline, Bloomington, Minnesota. Yeah. The MOA. <laughs> Smash, an arcade on steroids, has opened at the Mall of America on Tuesday. All right. Hmm. Yeah, it was just this week. And that's Smash with three A's. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. Like, if you want to look it up, you can't just put Smash in there. Interesting. The founders are seeing it as a $12 million venture, as an ideal fit in the mall. I don't know if that made sense, but yeah, it is. They spent $12 million, 40,000 square foot space at the fourth floor of the mall of America. It's a two VR story, yep. two story black light go-kart track. Two stories. They go something like 80 miles an hour. These go-karts. <laughs> oh it's, yeah. It's supposed to be just fan flipping tastic. I would love to try that. I, I have to go. We should go, go. as a team. Yes. Mark, can you fly up here for that? Uh, yeah, Mark, run up. I, yeah, my wife's family's up there. Of course, there's All right. there's plenty of reasons to go up there. I mean, and plus, up there where that place is, there used to be like Princess Diana's dresses. So this is like an improvement. Yeah. Well, Ten. it used to be when it first opened in 92, by the way, next year is the 20th anniversary. Is that right? 25th anniversary hmm. of, of an opening. <clears throat> so of the of the MOA opening but you anyway know, that was like you guys was, know too much about shopping malls this is well going downhill quick. I used to hang out up there because that was like the bar scene it was american sports bar they had an 80s bar they had a piano bar they had jillian's which had an arcade joe mm-hmm. did you ever have to go to uh no i was never at jillian's but you know of it yeah yeah, yeah it had they, the um go ahead they didn't last very long up there. Yeah, they were there a few years, and then um, Jillian's ended up buying everything, the Players Club, all those bars and everything. Fat Tuesdays got shut down for serving minors. There was a place called Gators that served gator meat. Knuckleheads, which was a comedy bar, which I went to several times. Frank Conniff from MST3K, I saw him there. Um, Hooters, ironically, is the only restaurant that has man- maintained a presence on that fourth floor for the entire place. Uh, Planet Hollywood was there, that shut down. So this is a 40,000 square foot venture, $12 million, nine year lease. 
Wow. It's a pretty so, big deal. I remember is. that arcade there, by the way. They had a time traveler. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They also had um, an American sports bar. They had two VR games from the 90s. Oh, I remember that. Remember you, you, like, stood, you stood in the uh, in the column. Yeah. Yeah. And you put on the VR hat. I, I did that. Me too. Oh, yeah. it was garbage. It, it was, was terrible. Garbage. <laughs> it was the worst thing ever. It was just so I wonder. I, I frequently wonder where the heck those things went to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was awful. Probably They're my storage the unit. Mark has two. Yeah. Two VRs. Nobody has ever, to my knowledge, in our circle of hobbyists, collected one of those. Mm-mm. They were very spendy. Yeah, what would what, what on the... On the used market, you'd probably spend a couple grand. Probably because they were that was a thirty thousand dollar piece brand new. Oh my gosh! No wonder they went out of business. Yeah. So what's next on the news list? Uh, Jukeboxparts.com is shutting down. Wait, hold up a second. I think mm. Joe should speak to this one. Oh, yep. that's it's going to be a sad day. He called himself the uh, the largest jukebox junkyard in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he was, actually, probably. It, it, yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> if you went to his website, you would see uh, he, had a, he had a tour that you could take, a virtual tour of his warehouse. And that warehouse was huge. And, and you would go bay after bay, mm-hmm. three stories high on, these, uh, on the stackers with wow. jukebox after jukebox after jukebox. And every, every era. Every era. He, he collected everything, and it was pretty much just for parts. Uh, he would sell all over the nation. You, you'd call him up, and you had to have a part number for him or some kind of a good description. Yeah, well, I, I can interject here on the 460, and I've told Joe this story before, but in fact, I told him last week while we were working on it. There is a piece of glass. Uh, there are two pieces of glass on the front of the jukebox, above and below the speaker sets. And it's maybe two inches by about, I don't know, three feet long. And it's a, and the, when I got the jukebox, the one thing that was wrong with it, there was a crack in that it was, it was split. And so I thought, well, I wonder if I can find a replacement piece. And so I call up and I think his name's John, John Durfee. Yeah. So, um, anyway, call, I, I, uh, you can't call him, you email back and forth. And so I was describing this piece to him. <laughs> And I, I must have had to go back two or three times. Like, it's this piece on this in a 460. He goes, all right, I can sell it to you. And it was like 50 bucks plus shipping. So I think it was an, ended up being like a $60 piece, $65 piece or something. And it took me forever to get the whole thing apart and put it to get back together. But I thought, that's a lot of money, $65 for a piece of glass on a used jukebox from 1975 that nobody else wants except me and you're i forked over the money so <laughs> <laughs> yeah but when you think about it um it took him that long to take it out too so there's a yeah. lot of time involved in uh, yeah we we discussed it last week and i and i said well that seems you know and joe that seems pretty fair and i said i guess if you if you if, you, if I were to charge him my hourly rate for taking that out of the machine, you know, uh, it would be more than $65. You know? Seems like a pretty good deal, considering yeah. how much time he probably put into it. What's the uh, story here? It doesn't say if he's retiring or what on his website here, jukeboxparts.com. Well, Any idea? 
I don't have a good idea of that, but I do know that he's still going to be selling the the uh, jukebox needles and his his um, brand name stuff that he's been selling. He's just getting out of the used parts. Yeah, and so what what people are doing is they're driving from all over the country, and he's just invited them to come with their truck. And you fill up the truck, and he gives you a price, and you drive off. That's amazing. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity for some of these, you know, jukebox owners. It's amazing. It would be like if Bob Roberts, you know, decided to sell off his inventory and just told everybody from the arcade and hobby to just come over and fill up their trucks with stuff and he'd give you like, you know, a one one stop shop price, you know. And a moon pie. And a moon and a set of small screwdrivers. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it's a pretty sad day when you when when you think about it, because there's a lot of people out there looking for parts for their jute boxes, and he was pretty much the only one that you could find used parts at a reasonable price with. Yeah, and and we were discussing this offline, um, Dan and I were, and and you know, you got two ki- ty- two kinds of people going to buy that stuff, right? You have the people that are going to resell it, and hopefully they'll put it in a store and they'll have a good inventory um, and maybe there'll be some competition created out of it, but that's like the ideal, you know, I, I, w- I think I would think that would be the ideal thing that would happen. And Dan and I were thinking that mostly hoarders are probably buying it. <laughs> hoarders. Absolutely. Mark thoughts. Well, you I have- am always disappointed at the end of an era. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say you have to you have to consider the fact that most of those jute boxes have had parts taken out of them, so they're not going to be complete. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it, it changes the whole picture when you when you pick up a jute box and you got to go shopping for more parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very true. I have picked up many arcade games that somebody had started to part out. Like I have a a mouse trap that is missing some of its guts. So. Anybody online hears this uh, podcast and knows about a couple coin doors from Mousetrap, give me a call. Uh, those are coin control doors. They're super easy to find. Um, mm, are they? they? Yep. They have an exity thing in the middle and they're a little oh. weird. The one on... Okay, so I just... Um, surprise, I bought a Mousetrap last week. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, I did. <laughs> so a guy on the Midwest... How odd is that? The Midwest group... Um, Midwest Collecting Group um, on Facebook. Uh, one of the guys got on there and was asking about the value of a mousetrap. And I said, is that because you're buying or selling? <laughs> and then I sent him a private message. Turns out he's selling. And hmm. um, it's working, but the sound doesn't work. It's complete. It's dirty. Um, so it just needs some cleanup. Kind of, I'm hope- And he took a bunch of pictures. I, I would equate it to probably... The condition of your super pack, Mark. Oh, nice. So well, my sound doesn't work on the PCB I have either. I got that from Chris Gack. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix mine, and I'll fix the sound, and I'll tell you what was wrong, and maybe we'll fix two at once. Yes. Um, and then, and if I need any help, I'll call Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. <laughs> I think those uh, coin doors on my Bandito, anyway, they were damn near identical to midway coin doors 
Okay. Those exity coin doors. I, I bet you could keep the frame and swap the actual door out with a midway coin door, and I bet it would work. The interesting thing about the mousetrap doors, <clears throat> and Mark, interject anytime, but the left side, the doors appear to be, there's, there's no split between the doors because it's meant as an access panel for the board. Right. Right. So they're two doors, but they're basically parallel and, uh, you know, you open them and there's nothing. It's just a big hole in the machine so you can reach in and grab the board. Oh, really? Yeah. Joe, did you work on any mousetraps? Oh, it goes back a long ways when they were new. (laughs) Just about anything that was new at the time I worked on. Yeah. Do you remember that particular unit with the three buttons on top and you a mouse and turned into a dog when you picked up the bone and yeah, I wasn't real fond of that game, so I <laughs> I played it a few times, but I really wasn't. Uh... So the the, re, the you guys are gonna love this, and this is a segue into the Christmas stories section, which I wanted to talk about. But um, <clears throat> I bought the mouse trap for my fiance because two years ago at MGC she played it, and she said if we can ever get a mouse trap, I want a mouse trap. So this thing comes up last week, and I said, "How would you like a mouse trap for Christmas?" Ah! <laughs> and she said, "I would love one." Aww. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes!" <laughs> yeah, she's sort of awesome. <laughs> sort of awesome. <laughs> Is she listening? <laughs> she might be our third listener from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> our, our regular caller yeah she is our regular caller she's our prank caller <laughs> well you always gotta have a shill in the crowd don't you <laughs> so do we have any other news articles to talk about uh looks like there's an arcade hockey game for the pc ps4 and xbox one uh kind of harkens back to the violent 70s with beer blood brawls and disco yeah, and I, I kind of, you know, th- that's kind of appealing to me. Like some, some of the, I'm not a big sports fan in general. I don't play sports. Um, I played a little bit in high school and junior high, but <clears throat> I never. I was more into theater and whatever, and I, I just didn't do that sort of stuff. So, but I love like Super Tecmo Bowl. Um, I loved Ten Yard Fight in the arcade for some reason. Yeah. Uh, Cyberball. You guys remember that? Like Cyberball. Mark Cyber, has two. Cyberball <laughs> 2048 or something. Yeah, 2049. 2049. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was an awesome game. Yeah. And it was like robot football, right? And the ball came up and you know, it was just a lot of fun. Um so, so this uh hockey game looks interesting because they're like none of them are wearing helmets and there's like a storyline and some interesting stuff in there. Well uh I'll check that out. Yeah. I don't have any of the modern consoles though, so it'll be a while before I do that. <laughs> My PS3 is vintage now. So anyway, um I think I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. I was I was off by go ahead. <laughs> so yeah. So, Joe Lease, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Um, we're just going to kind of attack you with questions for the next hour. 
How's that sound? That sounds okay. I'll answer whatever <laughs> I can. And you know what? I uh, uh, my one of my favorite sayings is: uh, if you can't dazzle them with your footwork, baffle them with your BS. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> well, um, just to get things started. Um, Again, thank you for being our guest. Uh, could you just give us sort of a background? I know you were in the Air Force, joined something like 1972. Um, just kind of walk us through how that played into you getting into the electronics industry and, and where it took you in, into the arcade industry a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. Well, I wasn't much of a student when I was in high school. And uh, actually, uh, when I got out of high school, I thought I'd better try and go to school somewhere else. So I went to tech school, and I was going to uh, um, look into auto mechanics. And uh, after taking the entrance test, they said, maybe you want to try something different. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Auto mechanics isn't really a brain thing, see? So uh, I kind of got the idea, well, school's not really for me here. So, uh, <laughs> Well, I had a low draft number, so I was uh, due to be drafted anyway. So I joined the Air Force. And, and again, in the Air Force, they, they kind of tease you and ask you what you want to do. And uh, so I told them auto mechanics. And, and so I took their exam, and they kind of concurred. But what he did say is he said uh, – you might have an ability in e- electronics. And I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I just let them put me where they want me. And I ended up in a, in radar, uh, radar repair. Oh, that's cool. That yeah. is cool. Yeah, it, it was, it was pretty exciting. It was automatic tracking radar. And, uh, so, uh, I was expecting to go big places and, um, ended up in Bismarck, North Dakota for three years. <laughs> wow. What are you tracking? Bismarck, North Dakota with radar. Well, the, um, our, our peacetime effort was, uh, uh, basically to, uh, have the B, the B 52s would fly over a, uh, um, they called it a corridor. And then they would, uh, practice dropping bombs on North Dakota. And, uh, our job was to pick them up, track them. And when he says bombs away, score where the bomb hit and how close it hit to the target. And so those just didn't have warheads. They would just drop. Yeah, they were, they were simulated drops. And they would go clunk. Yeah, yeah. Although although there was uh, um, a few times when we'd get a call from a farmer that something fell out of the bomb bay doors. When <laughs> oh, that's a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> and the and the bombardiers are like, "Did we hit our mark? Did we hit our mark?" <laughs> well, they they'd cheat. They'd come in, you know, about uh, um, the high the lowest level that we could pick them up at is is around uh, two hundred fifty three hundred feet. Hmm. And and then they'd be pretty close to us if we if we did pick them up. But they'd cheat and they'd come flying in at around two two hundred feet. You know, North Dakota's flat as a pancake, so they can do that. And then if we miss them, then uh, they get an automatic direct hit. Hmm. So that that's how that's why they cheat and try and come in. But <laughs> at any rate, when I got out of the service, then I decided I should really do something because I had a family by then and. Uh, so I went to school at Brown Institute, and uh, at Brown I was planning on uh, going into biomedical electronics, which 
was a good field. I yeah. mean, at that time, it was just breaking open. But uh, especially um, in Minnesota, you have Medtronic. And... Yeah, well, Medtronic was about the only thing in Minnesota at the time. Yeah, and it was a pretty small company to work for. <laughs> I did interview with them, and and. Uh, they offered me a position on the assembly line, but it really wasn't something that I wanted to do there. So. <laughs> just put no. stuff together for eight hours a day. Yeah, so uh, I thought, well, I'll just kind of hang out and uh, um, see what comes up in the near future. Well, in the meantime, while I was going to school, I picked up a job uh, with Advanced Carter Company, which was uh, uh, Norman Pink was uh, the president of the company, and he they operated uh, games all over the Twin Cities. And it was called Advanced Carter? Advanced Carter. At the time, it was Advanced Carter, okay. yes. And uh, he also had the Piccadilly Circus chain, and uh, um, while I was working for him, he, he uh, opened the Circus Pizza uh, oh. Oh, yeah. chain. Interesting. So, uh, uh, Which we all know is like, I don't know, it's, it was one of the big five you know yeah he he came in about the same time uh, showbiz was going out okay so was this in Southtown? uh he had uh he did not have an arcade in well he had a uh, southdale um shopping center we had yeah. a piccadilly circus in there that was on oh, the yeah. lower floor yeah near like uh, music land i think at first, it was there, and then they moved us to a different location okay. in, the, in the same mall. Yeah. But, uh, wow. That's really bizarre. I can't tell you how many times I was there when I was a kid. <laughs> well, and Circus operated um, everywhere for a while. I mean, I, there was, wasn't there a Circus Circus in Wisconsin, too? Well, we had, um, they called them Circus, just plain Circus. Oh, okay. And uh, those were, that was a joint venture with Lieberman Enterprises that, that, Okay. Norman had entered into, and uh, um, for those that don't know, Lieberman Enterprises, um, they're still around, um, and they used to supply music for jukebox, um, and they had a repair department for arcades. They were the supplier and for vending um, arcades, pinballs for Minnesota, uh, one of the largest suppliers, and they they had a bunch of operators that that worked for them. Um, um, so <clears throat> we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I just wanted to give people a background about Lieberman, not to derail you. <laughs> sure. No, no, no. Um, so anyway, the, uh, uh, the circus chain, that, those were out of the Twin Cities area. So we had them in uh, Brainerd. Uh, at Watertown, we opened, but we didn't have that open very long. Hiving, uh, Bemidji, Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, Marinette, Wisconsin. Um, there was a few others. I don't remember them offhand. <laughs> okay, so that was Circus. And then Piccadilly Circus, that was in the Twin Cities area. Okay. And those were in all the Dales. Oh, yeah. And and we had one at Harmar. Okay. And uh, oh, off the top of my oh, head. Yeah, Harmar. They had the movie theater over there. Mm-hmm. Right. The right. Harmar, that's gone now, isn't it? Right. When AMC opened the new one over uh, across the way in the Rosedale Theater, Took it out. That's when they had owned. They had bought the. Uh, um, it was United Artists at the, uh, yeah, yeah. prior to that, mm-hmm. and uh, when United Artists went belly up, then AMC bought all of their theaters. So, how long did you work for Circus? I was twenty-three years with Norman. Wow! Um, wow! 
And then uh, when he went to retire, um, he kind of sold off the company in, in pieces. Chuck E. Cheese came back into town, and he sold uh, a few of the circuses to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, so the the circus, it was at the, by that time, were they calling it Circus Circus? No, I, the Circus Circus name only happened for just a little while. Okay. Because uh, um, Circus Circus in Las Vegas really oh. didn't like us using their name. So. <laughs> I should have settled for Circus Circus Circus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 we needed a few more circuses. <laughs> so there was a Circus Pizza at Centennial Lakes um, uh, right near where Cucumbers was, uh, or is, and uh, now that's a Chuck E. Cheese. Yes. So that was must have been one of the takeover, or one of the ones they sold off. One that they sold off, and that that one was the last one that Norman had opened as a as a circus pizza. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Chuck E. Cheese was up in the in the uh, south. Mm, it was on Sixty Sixth. Okay. That little mall up there, yeah. South Town. Yeah, I, I was. I wanted to call it South Town, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, South Town. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was a timber lodge. After that, for a while, I could. Uh, I still can pretty much from my parents' house walk there. I used to when I was a kid. <laughs> that was your your Chuck E. Cheese, Dan. Oh yeah. So, brief history: um, Chuck E. Cheese uh, came into Twin Cities early '80s. Um, Showbiz Pizza became a competitor to Chuck E. Cheese. A couple of guys didn't like the way uh, things were being run by Nolan, so they split off their own chain, did their own thing. Um, Nolan ran Chuck E. Cheese into the ground, or at least the people he handed it off to to did. Uh, and the Showbiz guys bought out Chuck E. Cheese. A lot of people think that it was the other way around, but actually Showbiz bought Chuck E. Cheese, which then they decided to keep the Chuck E. Cheese branding because it was... Um, it was a little bit more, um, recognizable showbiz hadn't been quite as widespread, but boy, I really liked the rock of fire explosion. The characters in Chuck E. Cheese just weren't as good. I don't know what you thought, Joe. Oh, I, I agree with you that rock fire explosion was an awesome uh, show. And yep. Norman had bought uh, a rock of fire for each one of the circus pizzas. Oh, that's awesome. And so he was operating those. Other than um, Centennial Lakes did not have a rock fire explosion. No, yeah. They, uh, uh, Norman put in a different show that uh, it was it was made by the same people, but... Uh, okay. Um, Aaron Fector, I think his name is. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right, guys? Let me remember. check my sources. I have no idea. I saw the movie. I don't remember his name. <laughs> he, was a, he was a weirdo, that's for sure. Oh, he's an entrepreneur, you know. Yeah, a weirdo. Hmm. A few years ago, he was making some sort of grill product. and then. And so, Joe, I have to ask you this because it just occurred to me with the whole Lieberman connection. Did you have any ties to Beanie's Arcade? Well, now, um, where I got to know Beanie's is that uh, uh, around about uh, 1989, 90. So that was probably at the end of its life. Um, yeah. What happened was um, Lieberman's again uh, made a deal with Norman, and uh, American Amusement Arcades was formed. Oh yeah, Ernie. And, right, right. Okay, so um, 
What that basically was is a combination of the Twin City Novelty Route, which was owned by Lieberman's, mm-hmm. and Norman's Route, which was Advanced Carter. And so they combined the two companies. And AAA is still there. AAA is still still operating. Now, um, they that went on for about 10 years, and then they got a divorce, oh. sadly enough. Okay. Okay, so Beanie's Arcade came along with... Uh, the Twin City novelty thing, because Gene Winstead, who was uh, uh, at one time he was the uh, um, mayor of Edina, I believe. Oh, he's the, he's the mayor of Bloomington right Bloomington. now. Actually, he still is. Yeah, he is. Oh. <laughs> awesome, amazing. That's okay, a long so, term. So he had his own route, and he sold his route to uh, Twin City Novelty years before that. So that's kind of the connection. Wait a minute. He, had. So so I worked with with. Uh, at triple a let me get this straight did you just say the mayor had a route <laughs> before he was a mayor yes <laughs> so he he was an operator <laughs> he was an operator oh, yes that's, <laughs> that's kind of cool yeah yeah so uh, uh i've had uh, several people on you guys can corroborate this or at least dan couldn't because he's local um tell me that beanies was sort of known for being seedy oh man that was my that was my jam I yeah. played 720 there. I can't tell you how many games that, I mean, that was, that was the arcade for me. I, I heard there were like drug deals and stuff that happened in the back. Uh, I have no in, idea. In I was totally oblivious to that when I was, I was probably, it was 12, probably 13. more like, it was probably more like my friend, Matt Sparby's mom saying, you can't go there because people deal drugs in there. <laughs> could be, maybe Joe could speak to that, but man, they had some great games at that joint. I don't know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, um, you know, uh, you've probably touched tons of, you know, arcade arcades in the Twin Cities that we've never even seen. Uh, Aladdin's Castle was probably a competitor to Circus. Yeah, Aladdin's Castle, uh, well, they were around probably before Circus, but not before, um, well, it was probably... About the same time that the Piccadilly Circuses started opening up, the Aladdin castles were in there. So Aladdin's had actually had uh, uh, five or six arcades in the Twin Cities at the same time we were operating the Piccadilly Circuses. Um, they also had uh, Le Mans Fun Centers, which were kind of uh, oh, I, on the outskirts. I have some of those tokens, and I always wondered why they were the same shape as... Aladdin's tokens, because Aladdin's tokens were kind of, they had uneven edges. Sure. So they look like, you know, some sort of gold pieces rather than a token. Right, right. You know, I come to think of it, think of how amazing it was back then. I don't think anybody understands, unless you actually grew up in that era, how many arcades there actually were active back then. I mean, there were, they were everywhere. Oh, it was pretty amazing. Um Basically, when when the first videos hit the market, the arcade business just exploded because it, there was so much money. It, you could you could literally make a fortune in in a year's time and retire. Wow! <laughs> Some of that stuff. It was just amazing, and and the Twin Cities was was basically behind the scene or or behind the market. You go out to the East Coast and the West Coast, and it was just. Uh, a 
heyday for the operators. I mean, the, the guys that were in business running pinball machines in the 70s all of a sudden have a, just a, a, a windfall of, of uh, cash that just came rolling in just because they went out and bought Pac-Man, Space Invaders, Asteroids, you know, the whole works. It was, it was like Christmas 360. <laughs> Every day of the year, they'd come in with smiles on their faces and, and they just loved it. <laughs> Give us a feel for what it was like. Um, I know you... Uh, well, maybe you can kind of answer two questions. So um, talk a little bit more about what your role was working for Norman, and then describe what it was like during this boom of um, arcades, like how many times you might have emptied a Miss Pac-Man in a week, that kind of thing. Okay, so I wasn't on the collection end of it. Um, I didn't do any collections for Norman until... Uh, um, I, Basically, I grew up with the com company, and uh, when I first started with him, my first job as an electronic technician was rebuilding foosball tables. <laughs> and uh, um, our shop manager, Chuck, Chuck Peterson, he he moved me ahead, you know, and, and eventually I was I was fixing the electromechanical pinball machines and then eventually I was working on the electronic pinball machines and and then and then you know the electronic pinball machine uh hit the market at the same time as the vids okay so so here we are we're going on two parallel tracks and, and you don't really know which way to go with them because the pinballs were just making money hand over fist too at the time because they were they were new and they were uh a whole lot fancier no solid more. state right right yeah. and and so uh um literally there we were um bringing in new games every day there was a new game come in and we'd uh uh, get it set up, get it out on the route. Norman wanted him out on, on the route as quick as he could. Okay, so our job in the shop was to not only repair the games that were out there, but our our job was also to make sure and get all the new games out on the street as fast as we could. So, like SS Billiards, um, that's been around for a million years, you had an interesting story to tell us about football when it came out. We were talking about popular games, and I happen to have a football Atari football and it's it's a really great game. We played it a little bit last week, but I think you have a good story about that. Oh uh, yeah, well, you know, Mabel Mabel was a very special customer of ours, and she she did. She was the pinball lady. If you wanted to play the latest and the greatest, you went to Mabel's, uh, which is SNS, <laughs> which is SNS billiards, right? Right, so. right, right. And uh, the reason that she had the vest is because she knew she had a good location, and, and Norman was her operator. And, uh, Norman owned all those games at the time. Mm -hmm. Now, Lloyd owns everything he's got right now, I believe, but uh, um, uh, Mabel dealt with, with Norman. And uh, when, Nor when Mabel said, I want, Norman said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then when the footfall came out, Norman didn't even have a footfall yet. And Mabel's calling him saying, I want this. I need it. I want it in here next week. He says, I don't have one to give you. We'll get it. <laughs> so he got it. <laughs> he called Lieberman's and said, ship it in. Get it in here. <laughs> well, we put it in. And, and within two weeks, we were out there on a service call. And, and what had happened is they played 
that thing so hard that you opened up the control panel and the and the controllers were in pieces. They literally fell out of the machine and fell into pieces. <laughs> so we wow. had to go. Yeah, we had to go back and rebuild all those uh, controllers. Well, the newer controllers that you you find in them now, um, you know, they're all one piece. But these were. Uh, you had a jillion pieces in there that you had to put back together. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, a few weeks later, she's on the phone. Get out here, get it fixed, <laughs> and you're and you're dealing with the same thing. So, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. It was a it was a great game at the time. Black and white, one of the one of the last of the black and whites, really. Yeah, and it has awesome sound, and it's, it's a great game. It's also, it's a cocktail, right? Yeah. Would you have a two or a four? It's a two. I the one I have. Mm. Yeah, and it, fours it, it, are rare. Yeah, it originally came out as a two, and then uh, the four didn't come out. It, it was probably three years after the, the wow. two player came out. But that's the one where you could pass to your buddy. Right, right. So you could have two people on each end of the machine. Yeah that that was a that was an awesome game. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, so it's kind of on my hit list to have someday. <laughs> <laughs> Do you own any games right now? Oh, I've got a few. I've I've um what you might call a small time operator. I have two whole locations that two. I operate <laughs> machines in. Three in summer, I hear. Three in the summer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The third one is a campground and then I've I've got the roller rink and I've got a uh, uh bowling alley up in Princeton. So cool. Um, and in those two, I've probably got a total of uh, maybe forty-five pieces in there. Okay. And then, and then, uh, my barn is just a little bit more—not <laughs> much more, but just a little bit more. And so those, none of those work for the hobbyists listening that may um, know of like FET or some of the collectors around this area. And Dan, um, I don't know—I'm not sure if you've ever been up to Joe's pole barn in Princeton, but he's got this. No. I haven't yet. Got a pole barn, and I've actually, I, I have at least probably five games out of that thing. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah uh, my Tempest came from there, my Donkey Kong, um, my Tron that's sitting in the garage waiting to be restored is in there. Um, technically, the Tron that I first built came from Joe because he sourced the bump and chump cabinet for me. Then we can did a conversion on that thing, sort of a heck job, but it ended up being a really nice machine. Um, and then is that it? That's Joe's got a call <laughs> service call. Yeah. It's got yeah, go. This is it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've, I've got a number of games. I know. <clears throat> oh, we pulled a Gorf out of there. For my buddy, Matt. Oh, yeah. 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 And what did you pick up up there in uh, Mora when I closed that location down? Oh, yeah. So that was, I got my Popeye. I got a Hang On. Um, I got, oh, yeah, Road Blasters Cockpit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> that sucker's in storage right now till I build the addition or or I have to sell it because I just need the money to get another game. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then I, I think that was it. I got, Oh, and then I got a, yeah, that was it. I hang on a Popeye and, and roll blasters. Oh no. Was there one other one? Uh, I, thought I had three games, but maybe it was just, 
Yeah, you had to come back and hang get on. one. I can't remember. Hang on, Roadmaster's Popeye. I can picture where it was sitting. It was sitting next to that Victory Road that I've still got in the pole barn. Victory Road with the joysticks. Oh, the yeah. The rotary joysticks, yeah. Yeah, those are, people are looking for those. Yeah. Yeah, the ro- joysticks are probably worth more than the game. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, then um, Joe helped me sell my first jukebox. I had a row. So, yeah, so now you're running Leisure Man Enterprises uh, as a side gig, right? Is that what you call it? Right, right. It's my retirement income is basically what it boils down to. Okay. Do you have a, do you have a website for that? I do have a website. It's not a very good one, but it's up and in, 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 as Adam would say, if you weed through it, you can find my number on there somewhere. <laughs> uh, all the games have been taken down. Um, it's been up for a while leisureman.com right right so um but now you primarily do house routes or you you have like you service calls to people's houses well that's yeah when norman laid me off i uh um started my own business actually i started it up knowing that i was going to get laid off so i had about a nine month jump on the situation and i and and while uh I was in process of being laid off. I bought Norman's parts department. So um, that's how I started my company. Okay. And uh, I started it with the intention that the small-time operator that couldn't afford a uh, full-time tech, that I would be uh, able to bridge that gap for him. Okay. And uh, so I did. I ended up getting a couple of contracts with uh, uh, a few operators, but... But in the meantime, I started getting uh, uh, calls for service calls in, in people's homes. Man, and I was one of those guys. You were one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, for a while, Lieberman's was referring me. Ernie, Ernie would refer me on uh, most of my calls. And, um, and Ernie's retired now, but Ernie was like the guy at Lieberman. He supplied a... <clears throat> a dartboard for a friend of mine. Uh, it's a Super 6 Plus, um, just like the one that Joe supplied for, for me <laughs> when I first moved into this house. So, but yeah, um, Ernie is a really great guy. He, I don't know how he's doing these days, but he he was awesome. Whenever I went over to talk to him. and Well, the last time I talked to him, he was, uh, um, he didn't have much time to talk because he was just getting himself ready to do a regatta up there on uh, Leech Lake. So... <laughs> He's a he's a sailor, so good. Uh, I think he his his dream was to go to Florida and sail, teach sailing. Okay, but I, I don't think he's done that yet. <laughs> Joe, uh, you ever come across anything that you uh, found unusual and then regretted later? You know, some ultra rare game or something similar. Oh, I've I've regretted selling a lot of different games that <laughs> I wish I had now, but. Uh, um, I had uh, pretty much the whole Star Wars series, uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and uh, um, Return of the Jedi. And uh, I had them both in Upright and the Empire and the Star Wars. I had at least two, twice I've had the uh, uh, cockpit style. 
and sold it and then bought another one. And, you know, so that's always been my favorite. Tempest is the same way. That I've, <laughs> I've probably owned five or six Tempests in my life, and I always regret selling them. And I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just asking uh, Adam if he, <laughs> if he was ready to part with his because <laughs> I'm ready again. <laughs> I have a tubes kit in it, and I... I totally rebuilt the 6100. Uh, it, it needed a bezel. I got a bezel for it. I've, I've redone the spinner on it. So I've, I have a big investment in that game. So I'm going to hang on to it. Yeah. <laughs> Getting back to your question, I think probably the most unusual piece that I ran across was uh, um, it was a missile camp command that was made by Tato. And oh. and I'd never seen anything like that. I, I oh no, that was Sega, wasn't it? Or Sega? I'm sorry, it was branded was, Sega. Yeah, right, right. Turns out it's a European edition. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, it was really bizarre. I posted pictures of it on. Uh, I took pictures. Remember that one day I was over and looking through the pole barn, wishing as I often did. Mm -hmm. um, I I, oh. I took pictures and put them up on Clove, so th those pictures exist on Clove somewhere. Oh, okay. I should look that up. Yeah. Okay, and you 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 had mentioned the time traveler. Um, I scrapped out two of those because of the disc player. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, it's amazing. The technology now they actually have the replacement players for them. So yeah, if I would have hung on to it, but, uh, it burned. <laughs> it did or it didn't earn. I never knew about that game. Was that a, was no. that a good earner? No, it didn't earn it burned <laughs> oh it burned yeah, we, we burned ah, it <laughs> is that that was yep. sega also that was sega yes that was that the holographic machine it was yeah, yeah. there was one of those at mgc a couple days or a couple a couple, couple years ago and and yeah, it was, was for weird. sale it was like 900 bucks yeah yeah oh i should have got that yeah that's a pretty good deal actually for a time traveler i think mm -hmm. brad um small small town guy two on club almost bought it he was oh. trying to talk the guy down. It's a total crap game, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of neat though. It's it's a it's a unique thing made by the you know this, what do they call themselves? Something Leisure Digital Leisure was the name of that guy's company. No, that's Dragon's Lair. That's Don Bluth. Yeah, it's the same company. They it's, own it. No, the same people made the game. It was branded by Sega. Uh, I think Digital Leisure bought. The uh, rights to Dragon's Lair later down the road. Yeah, but he, the guy that, D Digital Leisure, the guy that owned that company, was the guy that invented that game. Don Bluth huh. did the artwork. Really? Yep. There's a whole video on it, and there's a, he talks about his pitch, and he had like this printout game that he did, and he did, hmm. um, there was a Wild West game he did too, a, a Quick, Quick Draw McGraw. Was his game? Uh, no, it's uh, Mad Dog McCree. Mad Dog McCree. Yeah, I believe, yep. believe that's also the same guy. Oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I have oh. a question. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm interested, you know, w what part did you take in uh, doing any kind of conversions of any games? Because, you know, once something stopped earning... So you can bring it back in and then do a little conversion. Like, were there any mass conversions? Oh, yeah. We had, uh, um, we got into the cycle of converting everything that came in. Um, that uh, literally uh, led to what people are calling very rare games. Because if a game wasn't earning, we didn't care how old it was or 
or um, what was going on. We were going to put the, uh, the the latest conversion into that. So we started out converting in the shop, and, and it got to a point where uh, we contracted that out. We had a, uh, a business associate up in uh, Cook, Minnesota. We'd send them up there 100 games at a time, <laughs> and, and he'd bring them back by the truck, truckload. Uh, converted, you know, the 10-yard fights, all of that. uh, um, I call it gray, gray area type uh, uh, (laughs) conversions because none of them were really big hits. Um, You know, you got got Express Raider in there, that whole line of Data East uh, um, conversion kits that just came out as conversion kits. And and there was a, there was an era in time in there that, that, um, the manufacturers were putting out very few dedicateds, and they, it was all kits. They were selling kits like they were going out of style. So, so uh, not to interrupt you, but just out of curiosity, was the painting the cabs black thing something that occurred in the eighties, or was that a recent event? Like all these converted cabs now are all painted black. <laughs> well, did that, you guys care back then, or did you just take a Crystal Castles, rip the control panel out, retrofit it, slide it back into the into play no we painted the cabinets too Uh, a lot of that uh painted stuff the missing artwork on the sides um that's all you know we wanted to make it look like it was a dedicated game Uh, the converted game was a dedicated game because it does it cheapens it if it doesn't have the right graphics on the side or anything like that so so it was better for us to paint the game and uh um leave it a flat black than to leave the old graphics on there yeah, oh, the, that's interesting. Uh, the Tron that I got from Joe had been converted to a C-Cross <clears throat> and the side art had been pulled. So it it was just black. They didn't paint it, but it was pulled off. But all those Tron lines on the front um, kind of went with the C-Cross marquee. Um, and they, at some point, had put a Gorf stick on it because the, the Tron one had broken or something. So it was a, <laughs> it was a black, you know, and it was taped because it had broken probably on site. <clears throat> but, and then Donkey Kong, when I got, when I got that one, um, it had been converted to a street heat. Luckily the cabinet hadn't been painted, but it, it was, mm-hmm. it was not the same game anymore. It's really weird to look at a Nintendo cabinet where they flipped the, the bezel so that you couldn't see the Donkey Kong logos. And then, it's got like a steering wheel in uh, at a 90 degree angle <laughs> because you know what I mean? So it's like, it's not like a turbo or a, you know, or a pole position, but you're actually like playing the game as if the steering wheel were, were just put on top of a table. So just bad conversion. And there were a yeah. lot of street heat conversions on Donkey Kong. Oh, there were. Yeah. Um, well, see what happened was um, Nintendo made the uni system and the uni system was designed to go into a dy- Donkey Kong cabinet Okay. to get more life out of that Donkey Kong cabinet. Well, uh, we would have been better off to leave them as Donkey Kongs. We, we had done so many conversions that, that we had uh, one of our bays in our warehouse uh, had one full wall that was uh, a three stack, three tiers of uh, um, stackers, and that that whole uh, set of tiers was full with boxes of old board sets that came out of the games. 
Wow. <laughs> because I, I, at the time, I was uh, um, kind of an assistant shop manager, and I wouldn't let them. I wouldn't let them throw that stuff away. They would have thrown it away, but that, I wouldn't let them throw it away. So we stored it in boxes and 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 just had tons of it sitting there. Well, it eventually it, a good portion of it got uh, thrown away, but I did uh, uh, put a bid on it with uh, Norman and uh, took a, a full. Uh, we had a pickup with a topper on it that was. Uh, and I had that thing loaded just full all the way, and it wasn't a it wasn't a short topper. It was a it was, looked like a camper. <laughs> okay, yeah. and and it was just a you know a gutted out camper, and I had that thing stacked. I mean, full. <laughs> you couldn't get another one in there. And uh, took them home, sorted them out, and uh, eventually evaded a lot of that stuff out and uh, sold it off. Um, oh, Aaron. Uh, over there at uh, um, Pinball. Uh, oh, uh, Big L's. Big L's. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's like his tech or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Aaron sold a lot of that stuff off for me. Okay. And uh, he made it out for me. So. Do you ever have any dealings with Big Al? I have uh, uh, sold Big Al some uh, pinball machines. And uh, I've bought a few pieces from him, not much, but... Uh, For those listening, Big Al's up in Blaine. Um, right, he's actually behind the North Town Shopping Center, uh, the Sam's Club that's uh, right behind North Town Shopping Center. Yeah, and he's also very close to Blainebrook Bowl, which is an awesome place to go play pinball if you ever want to play pinball. Mm-hmm. But um, Blaine, uh, uh, I think his shop is on Main Street, if I remember. Right. right. <laughs> but but there's nothing on Main Street. It's like it's like this dead end street that uh, his shop is at the end of. Uh, I bought my Xenon pinball from him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's my connection to Alan. Actually, I I negotiated my, the price down, which is hard to do with him. Yeah, Al doesn't usually negotiate. Although, as he's gotten older, he's gotten uh, a little bit easier to deal with. But <laughs> <laughs> but so. he 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 knew the value of that stuff. He would come into uh, uh, this is when when we parked uh, the pinball machines. We parked them because um, they weren't making the kind of money that the video games were play- making. And and there was no reason to take up a, uh, a valuable space with a pinball that was probably making uh, twenty thirty dollars a week at the most. When you could put a uh, any video game in there and and do a hundred dollars a week with it, yeah. so it was a no brainer. Take it out of there and put something else. Well, these pinball machines, we had another full bay. Of nothing but pinball machines in there, <laughs> and Big Al would come over there with his truck, and he'd he'd load them up by the truckload, and he's got them all stacked uh, in his yeah. back warehouse. Sure, sure. I peeked in that thing; it's huge, and it's full of games that are stacked on each other. You know, and at that time, Ernie was was part of our staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was before uh, the divorce, and so he worked for Circus, or you were both working for Lieberman. Well, at he time? worked for Advance Carter Company. Oh, okay, okay. Actually, I hired him into the shop. Oh, there <laughs> and, you go, small world. Yeah, and then uh, um, when when uh, they got the divorce, then then he not right away. He stayed until the end. He he and I were the last two two of the last three guys to go. <laughs> Uh, with Norman's uh, company, 
So did Norman actually fix anything or was he just the boss? Uh, he was the boss. Yeah. Don't say just the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Norman. <laughs> no, Norman Norman was He's an one, entrepreneur. <laughs> one heck of a boss, really. He awesome. he was an awesome guy. He uh had a huge heart and and uh he just he just took good care of you. You know, he's great. He's a good man. And uh um he, he literally his his route was probably the biggest one in the five state area okay. uh, at one time. Not counting the the um arcades. Mm-hmm. And then um when when he put me in as arcade uh, uh district manager, I, I literally I had all the out of town uh um arcades that I, that I was to be uh, overseeing not the in-town ones but the out-of-town ones and I had 17 arcades that I had to go to that's a lot uh, for sure for sure like oh, you know would you visit them all in a week or was oh no no because uh we had three in Phoenix oh. uh, and then the ones I had mentioned uh, around the the five state area here and uh um well, there was there was more in the five state area. We had Sioux Falls. Did you fly to Phoenix um, then? Or? I would, yeah, I'd fly into Phoenix. Oh, so nice. I, I I had a few trips there. <laughs> That's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice little perk. <laughs> but uh, uh, um, anyway, getting back to Norman, he he, um, he was the president of the AMOA. Uh, uh, it was a music operators uh, association, oh, yeah. a national association, for a few years in there too. That was before the uh, the merger between mm-hmm. Twin City and uh, Advanced Carter. But um, yeah, you can't say enough about him. I mean, if, if, if he he does he have a connection to Musicland? Well, um, yes, indirectly because. Uh, he is, uh, I believe, the cousin to Amos and Norm, or Amos and uh, Dan Heilicker. Okay. And the Heileckers uh, were the, they basically uh, built <laughs> the music lands. Yeah. Uh, that was the biggest, that was the premier place to buy records in Twin Cities. Oh, yeah. And Amos, I mean, they grew up in the, in the music side. Uh, Amos started out as an operator too. He started out with penny scales. <laughs> really? he, he, yeah, there's a nice uh, article about him uh, if you look him up on the web. It, it's a it, it gives a real good uh, history of him. Okay, started his own uh, uh, record company, recording company, called it Soma Records. Yeah, uh, I yeah. I have some Soma Records. Soma is Amos spelled backwards. Oh, there you go. <laughs> And and you'd walk into his conference room. Now he he uh, he officed uh, right next door to us. Um, and you'd walk into his conference room, and he had platinums and golds all all around uh, the uh, perimeter of uh, his wow. his conference room. Very cool. Yeah. So that's a whole nother uh, end of uh, end of it. And music has always been uh, uh, a big part of the. Uh, uh, amusement industry. I mean, yeah, the the big staple of uh, all all the way through has always been uh, the juke, mm-hmm. the pool table. Yeah, uh, those those are the two. Pinball is you sort of go, yeah. And pinball was always has always been around, but the staple has been pool and uh, and jukebox. If you got the music in the in the place and you got the jukebox, you don't really need anything else. Yeah, you got a pool table and some music. 
What else do you need? Right, right. <laughs> of course, you wouldn't let anybody else move in on top of you. So if the guy wanted a pinball machine or, or a video game, you put it in. Yeah. But, but it was just a courtesy, basically, until the video thing hit. And then, and then you wanted every space, you'd, you'd be asking him to get rid of his tables so that you could put more games in there. And he's going, uh, where's my customer going to sit then? <laughs> <You know? laughs> wow. So. So getting back to the, um, th th that just reminds me of, um, sort of that, the, the introduction of the video game. Um, because you, uh, when you were talking earlier, you, you called it. Uh, the video when the videos came in because originally they were TV games. Um, they stuck a TV inside this thing and had, and had you know, a, a coin, uh, a coin mech, and you could play the game on the TV. So you had Pong, you had, um, oh, what's what's the one that's the, the very first one? Computer space, computer, computer space. space. Thanks, guys. So, uh, that those literally had TVs in them, right? And so. Uh, up until that point, you had pinball machines and maybe some, you know, some other amusement type machines. Uh, and along comes the video game, and you kind of you you kind of joined in into the fray right around the time Asteroids came in or Space Invaders or yeah, I was a little bit before Asteroids. I think Asteroids is seventy nine, isn't it? Yes. Okay, and I was seventy seven is when I got into the. Okay. Uh, in industry. I w one of my uh, jobs in the summertime when I first started with Norman was to uh, uh, maintain the arcade at Valley Fair. Oh, awesome! And, and he put. You would think that Norman would have put the the latest and the greatest in there, but um, he 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 kind of uh, knew, he knew. <laughs> bunch what of wet we? kids with you know <laughs> don't care coming in there there were photo booths i remember that did you guys oh yeah oh uh, well we didn't we didn't operate the photo booth in valley fair but we did he actually started his business with photo booth oh, okay and and uh it was auto photo is what they called them mm -hmm. you had the chemicals that you had to put into the into the machine and and if you ever opened it up and and saw it operate that you had a transmission in there that would uh dunk the the photo strip into the different yeah 12 different tanks it would go <laughs> in it, it would wash you know, first it'd develop it, then it would wash it, and then it would uh, uh, dip into another chemical, and then it'd wash it, and then another chemical. It had several different stages, twelve different stops that it had to make before that photo booth came, That's or amazing. the photo actually came out, and it would come out wet. Yeah, <laughs> the state fair still has those uh, under that glass by your coffee cup. There, there's two sets of them. Oh yeah, we got those out of that machine, I, and I, I think those might be operated by Summit Amusement. Uh, no, uh, Summit Amusement does not own those. That's, oh, okay. um, that's Tasmanian. Oh. Um, Chris, uh. Somebody or another? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris, if you're listening. <laughs> I guarantee you he's not. I can't remember. Maybe, <laughs> maybe on iTunes. <laughs> I'm replaying. <laughs> he probably doesn't want me to say his name anyway, so <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> no, um, actually that's, that's an interesting part of, uh, uh, my career also because um, right about uh, 1980, it could have been even 79, somewhere in there, um, 
I had a customer come in to buy some games, and, and I got to know him. And as he was leaving, he says, hey, you don't know anybody that wants to come and fix my games, do you? And I said, well, I might. <laughs> How about me? <laughs> nice. Yeah, so um, his name was Joe Premont. And for years, I called him Joe Fremont. I thought it was Fremont, but it's Joe Premont. And he he had the uh, every year he'd come in for the state fair, and he had the arcade down in the uh, um, in the midway in a tent. And so uh, um, he uh, once he got to got to know me. He would call me every year and ask me to come out and, and get his games fixed and ready to go for the fair. So he'd, he'd come in on like uh, Tuesday night, fair opens on Thursday, give me a call. Joe, I'll be ready for you tomorrow, so come on out and uh, fix my games. Well, he's he's got to run electricity <laughs> to, uh, you know, from... Um, basically, they're generators. They have to get the generator set up, and then he's got to tap the electricity off of that and get his electricity into the into the tent. And then he's got to set the whole tent up and be ready for me to come and, and look at these games for him. Well, I'd get there on Wednesday Wednesday afternoon after I got done with work with Norman, and uh, I'd work all through the night so that he could open on on Thursday morning. And uh, this went on for almost 30 years. <laughs> well, then he he turned around and he, um, that place that Todd Erickson was in that, that Adam was referring to was called the Penny Arcade. Well, um, Todd, through a few unfortunate circumstances, lost that deal. And uh, um, Joe bought, bought the building okay. uh, from the fairgrounds. And so he was, uh, instead of operating in a tent, he operated for a couple of years in the building. And then he sold to Chris. So Chris now owns that. And he owns all the game, all the machines in there, too, along with the photo booths. But you mentioned Todd Erickson. He bought almost uh, whatever whatever you don't see over there at, uh, uh, at the fairgrounds, Todd Erickson has at his place. <laughs> because he bought all the photo booths that, that Norman had. Okay. And then... <clears throat> have you how how does Summit play into the local uh, operator scene? Well, uh, Todd has been an operator since as long as I've been in the industry too, and and then his son can't remember. Dan, do you remember Nick. his son's name? Nick. 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 Yeah, Nick's been pretty much running the business now, but uh, but Todd, he was he was the Ralph Nader of. Uh, <laughs> of, the, of the industry well, every year we would have these uh um conferences that we'd go to usually in chicago that because that's where all the manufacturers were but we go to these big conferences and and we we you know they'd, they'd always have a tech t- conference and todd would be in there and he would just be raising cane <laughs> why is it why is it like this and why isn't it like this and why aren't you fixing this and why aren't you fi-? they didn't even want to see him walk in the door <laughs> it was funny but uh, i have a short todd story sure um i bought a dig dug from small small town guy too and i wanted to get a new marquee for it and so i went on ebay and i found uh, a marquee um that was a little bit uh brighter color looking than the mine and i bought it and it turned out it was summit amusement and so i i sent him an email and i said uh any chance i can 
you know, I can just pick this up. And he said, ah, don't worry about it. I'll deliver it to you. And I said, okay. okay. So I paid him. Um, a couple weeks went by. Had to call him. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. I'll, I'll stop by in a couple days. So he stops by, drops off the marquee, and proceeds to talk to me about um, his... Um, his specialized process for developing for the development materials that go into the photo booths and the development <laughs> process and really nice guy. But I mean, we sat in my driveway where I listened to him talk to me about chemicals for about 30 minutes before I was like, okay, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> so super nice guy. Uh, talker. Yeah. You get Todd going and, and, uh, uh, everybody's looking and saying, who put a nickel in him? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you know of like warehouse spots around here that just might be full of games that we should go and check out? Well, um, honestly, I'd have to say no. <laughs> Secret stash. <laughs> That's how... You you can ask any one of us in the hobby where they where they get their games and everybody clams up. It's like I can't afford them right now, but I am not telling you where they are. Yeah. Am I right, Dan? Yeah. Am I right, Mark? Let's yeah. yeah basically, that's the that's the facts of it. But I can I can honestly say I've been out of it for ten years. You know, I've been I've been away from the uh, basically away from the business for ten years. So um, any stashes that I saw. Are mm-hmm. are long dried up? They're, yeah, they're long gone. I could I could tell you the name of one fellow that bought all classics, and I don't think he's operating them anymore. But he had he had bought them to rent out as party uh, uh, things. Okay, and and um, his name is Tom Colgan. Everybody call him. Everybody call him right now. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Look him oh, up. Google. Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> and he's got he's got two full warehouses that I know of. Uh, of classic games. <laughs> I wonder if those but are. I don't know where they are. He never did take me there. <laughs> yes. when, whenever he wanted games fixed, he brought them to me. So. <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant and is he, in there and, too. And he did buy from me. So, <laughs> how do you, uh, Joe? How do you feel about the resurgence of all these uh, barcades and classic arcades reopening? Oh, I think it's awesome. I, 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 it's like walking into a time capsule whenever I come over to Adams. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> it's it's like, gee, I just got thirty years younger. <laughs> you know, um, about thirteen years ago, I got classified as an antique, so I'm right in there with <laughs> <laughs> right in there with those games now. So, <laughs> and they're not antiques yet, but <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, I just. You know my 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 biggest thrill right now is going. You, you had asked me, uh, uh, or Adam had asked me a little bit about my home uh, service. I just really enjoy going to these uh, homes because uh, they're all little arcades. Mm-hmm. I can Isn't go. That sure, that's so cool. Yeah, I go. I'll go. I'll walk into a place and I'll see a machine that I haven't seen in years. I've worked on. Uh, uh, jukeboxes. That's my love. Is is working on jukeboxes? Okay, I've I've worked on uh, just about every model Seaberg that was ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I shouldn't say ever because I haven't gotten back too many of them in the forties. Uh, uh, 
Try Mark, try this is why you need a jukebox. Yeah. So you can have Joe come and fix it in Tucson. Or, I mean, in, in uh, Houston. Oh, why you in. When you said Tucson, I, I thought, oh. I don't know why I said I don't know why I said Tucson. It was just like south. Tucson. Yeah, there's a guy down there. In the, I don't know how close to Tucson he is, but <laughs> he has got a stash of Seavergs down there. I know. <laughs> but yeah, Mark is from Planet Houston. Oh, Planet Houston. <laughs> I was just in Houston the other day. Oh. Um, did you catch on, on, some very good weather? Um, I don't know. I was I never left the airport. I was on my way to Nicaragua <laughs> wow. and then on my way back. But I was in Houston. I can say that. <laughs> We're the pit stop of the South. <laughs> ah, the gateway to the Central. The gateway to somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. How long have you been there? I was born and raised here. I was in Minnesota for about eight years and then uh, came back last year. Okay, so I can I can give you the you remember when I was talking about Joe Fremont? Yeah. Yes. San Antonio area. If that's not too far from you. I think well, he's everything's got, far, but <laughs> Okay. He's got a barn full of machines yet. San Antonio uh, is drivable though. Yeah, Mark's interested. Yeah. yeah. How much of it is classic, I don't know, but he's got he, he was big into the uh uh oddball stuff. You know, when you walked into his tent, you saw things like the the love uh, tester and uh, um, the love chair and the, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, anything that was weird, um, he had it, hmm. you know, and then, and, then, and then he also had the videos too, because they were, they were making good money. But, you know, whenever you walked down the midway and you had to punch the punching bag, that was his. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, and, and I don't know how many times I worked on that thing, but um, he had me convert it to 50 cents because it filled up too fast at a quarter. <laughs> it was just awesome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, speaking of money, how many times a week did you have to empty a Miss Pac-Man during the heyday? Well, um, like I say, I didn't get involved in the in the collections. Yeah, I can tell you stories about watching the cart full of quarters move out of the uh, counting <laughs> office <laughs> into uh, the Loomis truck three times a week, and it was wow. it was like uh, you know these warehouse uh, um, carts that are they're flats, and the and the bags of quarters were were filled that whole f- flat cart. As, as high as they could get it without them falling off. Oh my gosh. And and, and you were devising be... your own Ocean's Eleven plan to <laughs> knock over the place and take all the money. It's pretty hard to move quarters. <laughs> A bay of quarters weighs about 70 pounds. So. Yeah. And they're not, it's not subtle either. It's yeah. loud and yeah. <laughs> can't like put them in your pocket or anything. But that's how fast the money was coming in. Wow. I mean, it just, it was amazing. It didn't, it, it was short lived. When it comes right down to it, it was short-lived. It was um, four years max, you know, for that kind of money. Yeah. You know, and, and really that's that's stretching it. Except for the arcades, of course. Or the, yeah, the arcades lived a little longer than that. But so the, on a route today, like between your roller rink and the bowling alley, what's it, like a month before you have to collect? Or <laughs> I wish I could go every month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not... Uh, anything like that anymore it's uh, oh that's sad yeah yeah if i go every six weeks i'm uh, 
I'm pushing it. It's only because he needs uh, needs something fixed or something. You know, it's yeah. It, it's not. It 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 doesn't really uh, do anything but support a hobby. Yeah, and you you do it for. It's a hobby, really. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and it's extra money if you want to do something. I suppose. Well, I had um, during that whole ten years, I had dedicated that money to. Um, a, a good friend of mine who was a nun up in Brooklyn Center, oh. and and she helped uh, the homeless. Uh, not only uh, uh, it was mostly boys that were in trouble and could not get uh, get jobs because okay. they they were uh, um, felons. Oh, okay. You know, and, and trying to get on get started again, and she was helping them in whatever way she could. So. I funneled a lot of that money towards her. That's a fantastic story. So, <clears throat> so maybe it's a good segue into, um, <clears throat> we should all try to come up with a Christmas story related to arcades. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody, by the way. This is the Christmas special. That's why we're running long today. That's why we have Joe on, because he's, he's a special guest. And I, I think, Joe, you, you said you had um, some sort of asteroids Christmas story? Oh yeah, yeah. That was a fun story. Um, we uh, Norman had ordered. Uh, I believe there was twenty five asteroids that came in on the truck, but um, he had ordered them uh, well before Thanksgiving, and and they were so backlogged on them. Those uh, asteroids arrived at our back door two days before uh, Christmas shut down, and Norman says, "I don't care what you do." I want those out on the street before you go home. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. So we did it. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever met Nick Nelson. Nick Nelson was the guy that moved our machines around. And, and, and he went around 350. And he did everything himself. The only thing he, he needed help with was for you to guide him when he's moving this 750 pound <laughs> pool table around <laughs> just so that he didn't hit anything else <laughs> and and he'd always come to me joe joe you want to guide me and then he'd go watch your step there little buddy watch your step watch you know if this thing starts to go just jump out of the way and just let it go <laughs> but anyway get, getting back to the asteroids um we get them all set up ready to go get them out on the street Nick Nick worked all the way through moving these things out and uh putting them in place and uh we went we we, we ah right job well done okay good deal so we come back to work on Monday this was uh we, we it was a long break it was like Christmas was on uh, uh Friday so we got off Thursday afternoon mm -hmm. okay we come back to work on Monday and we had tons of service calls on for asteroids and we're going what's going on these are brand spanking new machines so they the guys went out and and did their service calls and the only thing that was wrong with these things is you couldn't put another quarter in there the cash boxes were so full that the 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 quarters backed all the way up into the coin mix and and you, you literally couldn't put another coin in there wow <laughs> that is awesome you know, and that's not a real small cash box. But it it doesn't hold five hundred dollars, but still, <laughs> this is over Christmas. <laughs> you had one day that everybody was down; everything was closed. <laughs> so, literally, in two, three days, 
max. Wow. That's just nuts. Yeah. And that was a that was a double size coin box? Uh, uh no, they, they uh didn't start making them bigger until Ms. Pac-Man came out. Okay. So that one probably held 250, maybe 300. Okay. That's not so, a lot. That's I'm going to no. go get $300 worth of quarters and fill up my asteroids and see what that's like. <laughs> yeah, 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 see what it looks like. Well, you know, it, it got to a point where I was hearing stories from the guys that were coming in buying games that they were just, you, you know how the asteroids uh, was set up where the it was kind of on a wood pedestal and then the, uh, the, uh, the cash box was on kind of a wood pedestal. Yeah. Well, they'd break that pedestal out of there and, and just take the whole thing out of there and put a big, uh, like a trash can or uh, oh sure, you know a bucket in there so that it would they didn't have to go out there so often <laughs> to <laughs> clean it out. Asteroids Deluxe they must have had a bigger one than that one. Well, they did, but they didn't need it for that one because that that was a bomb. <laughs> That's why does everybody want that game compared to the original? Just because it was a slight advancement, or the well, asteroids are they roll through the sky? Oh. Yeah, yeah. They didn't it, bounce off the sides or something. Yeah, the shields, I like that. Well, yeah, when you look at it in terms of, uh, it was a better game. Mm-hmm. But uh, for street use, it was too hard for the asteroid players. Mm. Okay, so they didn't want to go through that learning curve again. Yeah, well, plus, if it said asteroids, people have already played that, right? Right, right, and they were moving on to uh, bigger and better. Yeah. Well, it wasn't that long after Asteroids came out that the, the that everything was in full color too. So, yeah. who wanted it? And Asteroids, by the way, uh, was originally designed. They designed that game as a lunar lander. Oh. And and um, early on, before they even released it, they decided that lunar lunar lander was a flop. Which it was. Yeah. It was a big flop. It's a cool game, though. So um, if you look at the at the cabinet, that was that was kind of a uh, reverse engineering type deal mm. where they where they made the asteroids work in the in the lunar lander cabinets because they had all these cabinets made already. Oh, it wasn't an original uh, uh, design design for the. So, what about you, Mark? Do you have any Christmas arcade stories you want to share? How about you? Dan? Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to pass. I don't think I do. I already gave mine. I'm buying a mousetrap for my girl for Christmas. Jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, I do have a Christmas story, but it's it's not going to take place on Christmas. We're going to go to Disney World and go to Disney Quest while it's still open. Oh, they're closing it. Well, they said they were going to close it, and then the deal with the NBA didn't go through. So I still want to get there because I have a feeling, you know, they try once, they could try it again. I've been there three times. The last time I was there was in 2011 or 2012. Hmm. And um, they had totally gotten rid of the entire vintage level. There's, There's like two rows of vintage games now. And they were over by the bumper cars or tilt the world or something. And, um, but the the thing that I did find interesting is they had like fourteen fixit Felixes. <laughs> so I played that game. Um and then I was done. I just kinda kinda left. So that's awesome. You're going to Disney Quest. Disney Quest. And they also have a thing where they have like five hundred drones that fly at night and do a light show and so 
Very cool. But that's not very arcade related, but <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dan? Anything Christmas related? Uh, no, <laughs> oh, just be the Grinch, be the Grinch. <laughs> I'm going to burn some games on Christmas. Yeah, I might <laughs> burn a time. I'm, think, I'm thinking about burning my Neo Geo in my garage, just <laughs> gutting it and selling it, but don't tell anybody. Not true. You like that Very game. True. Don't you like your Neo Geo? I thought you really liked that. We talked about it on the first uh, show. I stare at it and think, do I really want to restore this thing? <clears throat> I thought you already had it running. I do. I just have to restore it. Okay. I can't I can't have an ugly game in my house. Oh yeah. No. Except my games. crystal castles, which is <laughs> <laughs> ugly. So uh this is a fun side note. Uh yesterday in prep for the show we had a meeting and <laughs> I introduced uh uh, Mark, you'll appreciate this. Um, I introduced Dan to Mark Elpiger's video about Crystal Castles. That was disgusting. Which is an outtake on <laughs> King of Kong. If you get a chance to see the video, it's amazing. You really need to see it. Paper. <laughs> Pack. <laughs> you got caught a little clip of that. Crystal. <laughs> yeah. He has this thing where he doesn't call the, the game the full name. Mm. He goes, I don't, I don't call it Crystal Castles. I call it Crystal. Crystal. <laughs> I don't call it Donkey Kong. I call it Donkey. <laughs> we got five donkeys outside and two packs. <laughs> well, yeah. um, I just wanted to say uh, it's it's been great having you on the show. Um, yes, sir. Oh, yes. Uh, this by far one of our finest guests uh, to have on the show. You have a, a, a plethora of knowledge and, and, a, and an abundance of it. So we hope that you'll come back on the show uh, and visit us. Um, so thank you very much for being on the show, Joe. Well, it was really fun. I always enjoy talking about the games and uh, visiting with you, Adam. It's, uh, <laughs> it's always fun. <laughs> we spent uh, those two hours we spent last week are were just fantastic. We just, I, I, it's a learning experience every time you come over. Uh, so if anybody is looking for um, jukebox repair or arcade repair in the Twin Cities area, leisureman.com, get his phone number. Joe is your guy. So again, thanks for being on the show. Thank um, you. Uh, this is a time where we have to plug the show, right, guys? It's arcaderadio.com. That's R. C-A-D-E radio.com. There's no A on the front of our arcade. We're double R's back to back. You can follow us on Twitter at Twitter or no, at, at arcade radio <laughs> at Twitter. Wow. At Twitter. Yeah. If you do at Twitter, nice handle. It's a good one. Um, yeah. And if you want to send us an email or uh, ever, if you ever want to ask a, a question of the guests, call us on the game line, 612-548- game that's four two six three or the email is uh, react at arcade radio.com you can also follow us on itunes uh, google play and soundcloud so subscribe and listen in um everybody thanks for being on the show thanks 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 for coming listening you guys rock i'm just gonna wait here for two weeks <laughs> everybody's everybody's dancing now yeah. We're just getting our groove on. <laughs>